We go. Welcome to Tech Talk Thursday, the brainchild of Martin Hughes, Managing Director of Source Consulting. This is a session where we talk to a leading figure in the insurance industry about technology, showcasing business innovation and um, in particular new technology. Uh, Source Consulting is a results-driven business development and communications agency. I'm Catherine France, Head of Content. And in this episode of Tech Talk Thursday, I have the pleasure of talking to Kirsten Duffield, CEO of Morning Data, a various company that brings high quality, function risk rich, flexible solutions to the London market. Kirsten is a passionate, is, pas is a passionate about providing solutions to the London market and international insurance, which help organizations from startups to fast growth SMEs tackle scale efficiency and process change through technology. With a wealth of experience in data science, machine learning, compliance, financial controls and systems implementation, Kirsten is chair of the technical SME advisory panel to the London Market Data Council, a liveryman of the worshipful company of information technologists and much more besides. It's a pleasure to welcome you this morning, Kirsten. Thank you very much. Uh, quite a long, a long intro, oh, but well, uh, delighted. Yeah, exactly. Scratch the surface of your uh, many qualifications. Um, so we'll we'll dive straight into the into the the questions. Um, we're talking particularly around the power of data um, in the London market, and we often hear about people talking about big data, um, specifically in relation to the London market. Is that what we're dealing with, or do we feel that, that might be a distraction from what we really need to focus on to to make the the improvements and efficiencies that it needs? Um, well, having been recently acquired by Veris, which of course uh, in the States as Veris Analytics are acutely um, aware of the role of data uh, broadly and globally. And I think that's that can't be forgotten uh, in amongst as a, as a sort of backdrop to whatever we're likely to then say next. You know, it is it is crucial that we understand that there is probably very little we do in the world these days that doesn't involve data. But you're absolutely right with calling out the concept of big data. Um, and I, I think in London particularly, it is a quite considerable distraction from what we really should be focused on at the moment. When we're talking about big data, we're talking about, um, uh, you know, let's take some examples. You could be talking about, um, uh, you know, activity uh, on browsers. Uh, we're talking about, you know, sort of analytics that goes on behind the data for uh, our Amazon shopping, you know, high volumes talking about millions and millions of activity going on in a particular area. Uh, I did a uh, uh, an event uh, a few months ago, uh, did a recording of a, a a piece called uh, the data, uh, data black hole and and that really sort of acutely brought to to bear the idea that if you are uh, formula one racing and you have sensors on your vehicles then there are thousands upon thousands and thousands of um of data points that are coming in in milliseconds this is what we call big data but london is really or i i believe should really be focused on the uh, standardization of data that doesn't mean that one is going to commoditize an insurance policy and simply say you get what's on the tin and that's it and there's no scope because we're sitting in a in an industry which has been built on the bespoke it has been built on uh, tailored individual policies for individual clients and I think that is very important not to uh, not to sort of push by the by the wayside 
But if we were to accept that we all need to be part of a, uh, a community of data sharers, after all, we're in a subscription market, then mm. we need to understand the data that arrives on our desktop or arrives on our servers or in our analytics tables. And therefore, we all need to know what the inception date is in amongst this data that comes in. And therefore, we are still really at the moment in time where it is a struggle for many insurance practitioners in London to leave behind the document first route mm. and move to a data first route. So that doesn't mean that that's to the exclusion of the human interaction. And I think that's really where we should be focused is looking at moving to a document first, uh, moving, sorry, to a data first, to a document to follow client documents. Yes. Legal basis. Yes. Uh, but we're really looking at formulating those documents from data collected and that that data follows patterns and standards and understanding of you know, sort of that approach of understanding that data, what it means uh, and how we should be using it uh, on a shared basis. Yeah. So the I suppose what you're saying then is that the, the data that we're collecting as an industry is, is it not as detailed as the data that we're talking about when we're talking about big data? We're still, or is that advancing as well? Are we getting better data? Well, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Interesting. I'm not sure better necessarily um, can be taken with or without volume. Now, there's a really mm. interesting uh, piece about uh, the, the various numbers of Vs, letter of the alphabet Vs, that are associated with big data. And that talks about veracity. It talks about volume. It talks about velocity. Um, and so all of these things have to be ticked in order to be able to qualify, so to speak, as big data. So yeah. if you are putting pedometers onto cows uh, in order to be able to see um, the fertility level of cows, and yes, that is a thing, because <laughs> apparently a uh, an active heifer is a fertile heifer, um, uh, you have really got this idea of um, all those Vs have to be together. So we're talking about the velocity, the speed in real time. We're not talking about a border row that turns up a month later. We're talking about genuine real-time flow of data. We're not talking about um, you know, sort of uh, a 20,000 row bordero, and I'm using borderos because they're usually the thing that has, uh, for any single action, has quite a lot of data in the world of, of London. Uh, but, you know, tw 20,000 rows is nothing in the big data. That's not, uh, that's not a, a volume piece. It might be to Microsoft Excel and to the human who's having to eyeball it going up and down, yeah. but that is not big data. So that's no. where I'm really talking about. You need to qualify on all the Vs to be yeah. able to see big data. And we don't really come close on a lot of those Vs and certainly not all at once. No. And I think you've you've hit on that in, in terms of like the standardizing the data. And oh. moving away from perhaps talking about big data, accepting that we're not that's not what we're talking about and we're not in that space. There's a lot of complexities about mapping and standardizing data. Oh, there's a whole cottage industry. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're limited to time, but it's but yeah, um, exactly. That's, that's one of the things yes. <laughs> we can explore around the challenges and how they do they become a barrier to um to the London market, you know, modernizing itself and, and we'll come on to, to, to blueprint twos in a minute. But what what are those the 
what sort of challenges do you see around um, that standardization of data? Is that the is that utopia, I suppose? Yeah, so, you know, with the arrival of the CDR, the core data record, the ambition, mm. and that will obviously, as you say, lead on to sort of blueprint two, the ambition of identifying data that is common to every policy, irrespective of its class, of its location, etc. But we're talking about doing that on a global um, stage. And therefore, if it is to satisfy certain requirements, and that's not necessarily to, to be a full underwriting file, it's to, you know, drive the to you know help with uh, tax reconciliation it's to help with uh, automatic matching of ethanols and it has a particular use cases that it's designed to do and mm. if we keep within those guardrails then um, we are collecting a certain amount of core data but if if we are still struggling to understand that on a codified basis uk is not a valid ISO code for the country that I currently am sitting within, uh, and that GB is the correct ISO code. If that is the level that we are at at the moment, and extrapolate that out to whether we're talking about a common understanding of what a peril is, a common understanding of what a territory is, then uh, we are we have a lot of hurdles to get over first before that data will flow beautifully and start to tick some of the Vs, uh, you know, we, the velocity would have to be in real time, the volume would be not relying on spreadsheets and taking that in, 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 in a much more sort of real time and, and, and larger numbers of data points coming in. The value of it, it's got to have a value. Well, we, I think we all agree that the value of the data in insurance is intrinsic. You know, it, we, we know that that is the case. And I, I remember a few years ago, I've, I've said this to people before, I sat in an, what was then an exchanging conference and somebody stood up and said, uh, within three years, the, um, the value of the data that is collected around a policy will be worth more than the premium being charged for that cover. Wow. Now, I don't know whether that could be uniformly uh, put across now. And they said within three years and that event took, took place in 2015. Uh, and then we obviously promptly went into a pandemic and everything turned itself on, the head, on its head. But if you take that some classes and some parts of the industry might be seeing that, hence the frictional costs need to be reduced. We need mm -hmm. to flow some of that data through without human touching so that we can focus on the larger uh, risks which require more hand steering, which aren't going to be simple. They're not going to sit into a even into a core data record or at least not be uh, sufficiently expressed mm -hmm. by those fields in, uh, you know, for for onward processing. Yeah. And then you've got a, there's all sorts of issues then around how you map that data, isn't there? And like you said, it's one of the things that we do brilliantly is these bespoke tailor made policies that provide the cover and the protection for the policyholder. But that then impacts on your ability to to put that information into boxes, I suppose, doesn't it? Well, absolutely. I mean, just even if we take the fact that a standard set of wordings and clauses can be packaged mm. together in a contract, and then an underwriter may decide to, uh, you know, good old uh, terminology here, scratch the policy, uh, or, you know, alter in some way. So instantaneously, that policy is no longer a set of standard wordings, It they are tailored in some way. We know that people have maybe even taken that on further than it needs to be. And in fact, when you pair it 
back. I know a piece of work the LMA did was, you know, looking um, at uh, delegated authority wordings and finding that there seemed to be sort of 20 or 30 different variants, but they didn't seem to intrinsically actually express something differently. So, you know, this is extrapolated yeah. and, and, and uh, perpetuated throughout the industry to mm. such a point that it's very difficult to unstitch now. Yeah. And so pairing it back and going back to basics and saying what we should get as standard is stuff that is non-competitive, that stuff that is simply don't do it differently because it just makes more of a problem. Mm. And that comes where we're, we're going to be you know, wanting to use uh, an industry standards body. And in our case, that's a cord. And so that really sits into two camps. You've got the reference lists. Well, they're on most parts, they're a pretty good um, standardization of the stuff that goes into the payload, the stuff that we're going to share. Mm -hmm. And then you obviously have message uh, structure. That's probably a story for a whole nother day. But those two <laughs> things, yeah, exactly. Those two things really yeah. sort of come together and say, why are we going to invent a new list of currency codes? We're not. Why, mm -hmm. Although, in fairness, it was only six months ago, I still saw a uh, debit note with STG for sterling written on it instead of GBP. So they still exist, uh, people using them because we're on that global stage. That, yeah. I think, where the non-competitive piece, the standardization of payloads is really where we should be focusing our efforts now, surprisingly, even with a landscape of machine learning, with AI, with chat GPT and all those kinds of things. Great. We're good at picking up the new tech. We're good at looking at how to deploy it. But let's get our home in order first. Let's get our house in order first before we start playing with the toys. That's it. There's an awful lot of housekeeping to do before you can use some of those tools to to do what you need them to do, isn't there? So, um, so how does <clears throat> taking that the the, the all those complexities, which have <laughs> seem huge, um, how does how does that um, fit into Blueprint Two and the work you do? Does that impact some of the solutions that you deliver? Does that um, you know, influence some of the the choices that you make when you're providing those solutions to your clients. To you know, do you see buy-in from the market? How how do you kind of see that in your in the work you're doing? Well, several questions there. So I'll, I'll start. Sorry, with, yes. uh, no, 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 that's fine. Uh, no, absolutely. But how does it affect? So with my LMA hat on and helping uh, Sheila with the delivery of uh, or understanding some of the techno technology and technical aspects. You know, I sit very as independently as physically possible and emotionally possible. I try and look at what all vendors would be faced, all brokers would be facing, all carriers would be facing, and the motivation of delivering change for perhaps uh, the first time in a generation, you know, mm -hmm. at, at this kind of level. Yeah. So when we're looking at taking some of the findings and when they're sort of put out there as public domain, and then I sort of pick them up with my morning data hat on, and now actually with a wider Veris hat on, I'm taking those findings and going, okay, now how do we um, look at those and apply those to the products that are available? So if I, with my morning data hat on and I'm looking at Novus, I'm going to say as a broking PaaS uh, but is very front of house. So picking up, you know, original quotes and, you know, processing, we mm. want to still maintain single touch point. We don't want to rekey any data anywhere, but we also want to enable the broker to collect all the data they have previously not had to collect, but that the CDR now requires them to do so. And to do that as a set of reference lists 
so that they're right first time when they're about to dispatch that data into a contract. And this could be via PPL, it could be via Whitespace, could be uh, via any other of the proprietary pricing platforms. Again, Mm -hmm. made easier if they conform to standards and we understand the payload and what it means. So I'm really looking at stitching these together for companies that might have their own workbench and then a different PaaS system, uh, but they want to link into being able to check whether their data is working quite well before they release it to the underwriter to check. So developing a CDR checker, for example, was a no-brainer. We I had to even do it before we thought about selling it in that sense. We had yeah. to do it to work out whether all the rules that are in the CDR would make sense and could be completed. Yeah. So stitching these pieces together as jigsaws are entirely influenced by standardization of things that are non-competitive, whilst retaining a flexibility for the client documentation to be able to express what's required for cover, mm-hmm. and reducing the touch points of human intervention and trying to remove completely any rekeying, because yeah. that can only really be done when you are data first and you are exchanging data with a placing platform, that that placing platform makes it look like a document, smell like a document, feel like a document, waft it in the air like a document. But it was compiled and created from data. Now one can extract that without having to do scraping services, without having to yeah. you know, sort of, um, try and use you know, AI to interpret English words, et cetera. But if over 70% of this market, and I'm, I'm picking my number carefully because I, I think it's considerably more than 70, but I won't, won't be held account to the precise number, are still doing file save as last year slip from Microsoft Word, mm. we still have quite a lot of housekeeping to do before we can start benefiting from that return of investment and being able to really reuse that data over and over again. That's where the V of value comes in. That is huge that that data now has value in its own right, as well as the business that we're processing. Yeah, and because it's on the platform and it's not stored in a Word document somewhere on somebody's yes. drive, it's that value increases um, and how useful that data is to, to, to a number of people. Um, and also, does that then impact um, on... Um, how claims and you know that the the claims information will that speed up that process as well because i'm thinking there's kind of there's the placement element to to blueprint too isn't there and then there's the 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 you know how do you help people recover from a loss more quickly well yes and and we've nicely morphed into effectively blueprint two as 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 a topic but it's wider than that to all claims Mm -hmm. if we look at something i mean you know to take a personal experience um uh i was diagnosed with cancer in 2018 Uh, my husband rang me up and said do you think we've got any insurance cover for you know if you're going to have to take some time off work or whatever um and i sort of said well i don't know but um i'll i'll you know, I'll write an email to Aviva, who are my, my health insurers. Um, and uh, I, 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 I emailed them and they said, um, not health insurers, they, they covered me for my life insurance. And they said, yes, uh, send us a copy of your diagnosis letter and uh, we'll um, process it for you. So I picked up my mobile phone. I laid out the letter, the diagnosis. I photographed it. I then attached it to the app, the portal. And mm-hmm. Six days later, my life insurance was paid out into my bank account. Now, 
that was really, I mean, it opened, opened up lots of ideas about just the use of apps, the handheld device, the putting it into the hand of the of the insured um, to make it a smooth process. It's a traumatic time, uh, making it, you know, the whole moral and ethical part of it as well, whilst working on precise diagnosis documentation, but only the one document. There was no protracted, drawn out, you know, backwards and forwards. Now, that doesn't work when you've got somebody at fault doesn't work when you've got you know a, a ship colliding with a harbor you know there's all sorts of things where it's just you couldn't take that model and move it across everything but it has elements in it which should be um you know thought about and mm. with blueprint 2 as with any environment in which you are going to operate there is the desire to match a potential claim and if it was standard to be able to reduce the touch points on which you are going to need human intervention after all pretty well the most expensive thing on an hourly basis are the humans involved in doing this so yeah. if a portion of risks could be automated then it leaves that focus for those difficult ones it leaves the resources to be able to hand steer them to make sure that the insurers are protected from uh you know fraudulent fraud make sure that the insured is protected to get what is due to them you know all of these things knit together and i think it's important that one then puts in the point of working towards something like computable contracts so here we might be looking at sending data like in the inception date, the expiry date and the address into what then merges into some kind of thing that looks like a document, smells like a document. But actually, if you started to replace the text verbose part of the contract, the wordings, the clauses, et cetera, where they look on the screen and on paper when printed, um, and that's an anathema that I put that in, 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 in our podcast and talk about paper, but at the end of the day, the insured may require it in, in paper form. Um, well, at that point, if, however, you imagine when you go to a website and you say view code and you can see behind a website, you see it all written in its in its native code. If underneath that wording was code, then certain uh, contracts could entirely self-execute themselves. Gosh, so yeah. here we've got now yeah. automation where it's not just uh, separate systems that are going to sort of triage and send things down tubes and, and be automated and treasury still then dispatch the, the money. We're talking about all the terms and the clauses self-executing and checking that cover is applicable. Now, computable contracts are in use already and they are in use in other industries. We're still a little way off of really seeing them in a practical sense. They are out there with some proof of concepts. They're out there with some small classes that have been uh, you know, piloted and looked at. And there are some narrow areas where they're even in you know, common use, though, you know, relatively early doors, but common use. Now, if that was to roll out more widely, that's going to leapfrog our approach to even automation as we see it now, where we're still struggling, whether it's GB or UK. Yeah. Well, so now we can see our housekeeping will lead us down a path of improvements, automation without losing the personal in, uh, interaction where it's required for those large bespoke risks that London is so good at handling. Yeah, because if you can speed up the, the decision on liability, you can you can respond to that claim so much faster. And it's almost then even if you have to have somebody checking it. It's, they might yeah, they might only check a smaller part yeah, at the end exactly, exactly rather than just says, the whole oh, thing. Yeah, 
it's just yeah. and then well, then wow. let's yeah. mix in other technologies like what what happens if we were to start deploying um and let's not say it isn't already out there i'm just saying that it's not commonplace but in the event of a, a of a, some kind of um a, a, of accident or whatever uh take my example of a, a vessel hitting a harbor wall or whatever hmm. first on the scene could be uh, local dispatch drones to be able to evaluate before you've even managed to get the poor loss adjuster sat in his car or down the M4, whatever it is, to try and go and see what's gone on. You know, getting this technology to be able to assist to evaluate who should be sent to the scene. You know, have all of the various parties been informed in the correct way, coordinating. And again, we're back to understanding. Do we understand address points? Do we understand the nature of the vessel? If somebody sent out and said, you know, a vessel's hit the harbour wall and they used a totally different le- list to call to uh, qualify the the type of vessel that is you could end up with quite a large stand up of people to go and inspect something which was actually a uh, you know sort of uh, an i'll take a rather uh, sort of facetious view of, of, of this as you know an inflatable dinghy that was actually and everyone thought it was it, it was a roll on roll off ferry you know exactly. i'm not saying yeah, that kind I'm of mistake is but you could be ending up with trying to narrow those mistakes and making sure that um, the right people are deployed. Those are the expensive resource with all the skills and the talent, and they're deployed at the right time for the right kind of loss. Yeah. I mean, particularly, like you said, globally, if you're sending somebody, you know, from overseas out to a, a far-flung port somewhere, then you want to make sure you've got the information. And presumably, if you're using drones as well, you can also be like kind of assessing it as it's happening. You know, like obviously you're not going to preempt it but you can have those on the scene sort of watching the clear up and things like that as well so what about uh crop fires and things like that that would be potentially very useful where you have you get there's an element of danger and risk for people being on side don't want to get in 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 the way of the emergency services and yet you still want to actually see how this might be unfolding so that mitigation can be put into place in something which is not an instantaneous loss something which is actually drawn out so can especially if it's physical and it's it's geographically located you know can there be some mitigation or reaction to can be put into place in real time to 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 mitigate the extent of that loss yeah and I think does that does part of that actually we've got slightly off piece but I'm going to ask anyway does (laughs) part of that come from actually looking outside the insurance industry and looking for you know those kind of little nuggets of where technology is being used in a really kind of smart and clever way and then thinking, right, well, how can we use that? Not necessarily like the new bright, shiny thing, but, you know, really kind of clever, sophisticated pieces of tech and, and applying those to kind of the, to what we do. Oh, absolutely. And I think this is one of the things that the Lloyd's Lab have uh, tried to sort of nurture, but also wider than that in, in insurers all over the world that have got in, you know, um, have got uh, technology arms, even individually in house or have a vested interest in, in in technology providers, or they may acquire a particular, you know, sort of startup that's come up with a great idea. I remember watching one, uh, which I thought was quite interesting. Uh, and and I've seen quite a few of, of, of these, but it's one that just stuck in my mind, which was to use the technology that's involved in, um, you know, sort of uh, um, gimbals uh, and uh, uh, in order to put um, these sort of... Uh, I can't really describe it. It's a, it's a, a ball. Um, it's a sort of, you know, the size of a cricket ball, as far as I could make out, uh, into um, tanker, uh, you, uh, into um, uh, containers that go onto uh, onto um, transporter tankers. And so, if they were to fall off in the middle of the ocean, 
And so you're combining the thought of a um, of a black box with a uh, ability to sense motion, which is not just the vessel moving, which of course could be in high seas, etc. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then potentially trying to locate in case of any salvage. All those things pooling together. Um, you know, it was a relatively small idea that could really transform being able to well clear up our oceans, stroke get goods where they're supposed to get, uh, you know, insurance paid out legitimately. I've always obviously been quite aware that if your container contained a lot of concrete, then uh, in in powder form and it falls off a off, off a transport on a off a cargo ship, then it's probably not much one's going to do about trying to retrieving it. But you know, if there are other goods, etc., there's a whole yeah. raft of different deployments. And I'm no expert in those areas, but watching how these, as you say, how these smaller breakthroughs in technology could be redeployed and applied is quite commonplace. And London is very good at looking at the um, not just the shiny tools, but also the deployment of other technologies that could be used in the insurance. I think we're really quite good at that. Um, But we go back into siloed groups of insurers, siloed groups of people doing these, pushing the boundaries, great tech. um, Whereas obviously in London, we are also a joined up community as well. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's the bit that comes before it, isn't it? It's like, right, we've got a great piece of technology, but actually there's five or six other vital steps we need to have in place before we can we can get, get that right and, and make best use yeah. of it. Absolutely. Um, I'm just conscious of time. And, um, and I, I, I thought for my final question, there's, there's, there's one, a supplementary question as well, which I'll ask you um, as well. But it's... It's kind of, I mean, it's a bit crystal wall, I suppose, isn't it? But how, how do you see the future of, of data management in the London market? What advancements do you think are coming soon or next? Well, I think um, I'd like you to ask me that question in a year's time and <laughs> then look at <laughs> trying to be a little bit more sort of, uh, you know, sort of uh, crystal ball. But at this moment, I guess my my focus is, um, you know, sort of uh, a bit like, you know, telling your children that they can go out and play when they've eaten their greens. You know, at the moment we have um, a housekeeping problem going back to that topic previously. And yeah. it, whilst no one is going to stand still, no one's going to not look at new tech and new ways to um, add to the protection. Uh, we've got a changing climate. Uh, we've got different kinds of risks. That's not going to stand still, um, you know, in the next 12 months and ask the question again. But I think the speed of um, the return on investment, and will be considerable investment, uh, but the investing in those right foundations will then enable a better landscape of the future with a more joined up, going back to my app and, and, and my, my life insurers, you know, having that qualification, nesting in your, your sanctions, your nesting in your, your due diligence, nesting in your policy administration, your contract checking, your placing, your claims processing, but not necessarily having it all in one system, but having common data exchange between systems where, well, frankly, you know, APIs and the connection between systems has never been better now, that, you know, in, in history. Um, it's become, in many ways, cheaper. Um, but we've got to get this housekeeping business sorted. We've got to get our 
master data management sorted, both internally as companies, but then looking at global standards to knit them together. We have a rather chaotic view about data models, uh, not confusing with data modeling, but data models, you know, what is the structure of a risk? Do we understand that we have a sort of header record followed by, you know, the uh, uh, emotive topic of sections and subsections and you know, how does a policy get structured? that something when it receives the data that comprised that could unravel it and go, I understand what you are, you know, what a peril is, what a section of cover is, you know, what a tax and, uh, and regulatory coverage is, what are these things? So adopting standards is paramount. Cleaning up historical data to some extent, there may be the job is too big to go back to the beginning of time, but certainly um, things you're likely to get in endorsements on you know, going forwards, you know, need need a bit of a cleanup. Um, making sure that the reference lists you're using are commonplace so somebody the other end can understand. We have that in our natural language. If I spoke to you in French, uh, uh, apologize, you might be fluent in French, but if you're not, uh, you know, there is a language barrier between us, and therefore we need some kind of mediation sitting in between intermediation uh, there to to sort of uh, deal with that. And the same applies to data. So ask me that in a year, and I'll be a little happier about crystal balling, asking it now, and I say, I don't think we've deserved the right to look forwards with regards to data until we clean up our own house. Yeah, okay, I think that's a, a very, very good answer. Um, my second question was just in case the listeners are worrying about your health. <laughs> oh, I'm completely clear. Thank you so much. I did that the other day. I, I know, used to I when that. we spoke, you were like, oh, everyone's going to be, you know, I mean, send flowers, of course, you know. Absolutely. So. No, no, no. I, I, um, I, it's not I, too personal a question. I just wanted no, to. No, I, um, I've, no, I've, I've never been backwards and coming forwards. And in fact, many people who uh, knew knew me at, at the time, uh, it was quite prevalent on on LinkedIn. But I, I have been. Get, I'm obviously the doctors look after you, don't they? And uh, you have a certain number of years to sort of get off, uh, get taken off their list of concern. But I am all clear. Thank you very much yes. for asking. <laughs> goodness, a relief. Uh, <laughs> thank you. It's been an absolute joy talking to you this morning. So thank you for your time. And um, if people want to find out more about Morning Data, how should they find you? Well, as with always, everyone has a website. So, yes, absolutely. Or just direct message me on WhatsApp, LinkedIn, Instagram, Snapchat. I'm pretty well on all of it. So somebody will find me. It's not a very common <laughs> name. So I'd love to anyone who's got a query either with my LMA hat on generally that they would like to find out a little bit more, have some you know trickier questions answered that uh, they're not really quite sure where to direct them. And I can help signpost and, and send them through. Uh, then with my morning data hat on, if you're looking for a joined up sort of ecosystem of PaaS and placing and uh, checking and all these kinds of yummy stuff that's coming out. Uh, and then, of course, you know, broader uh, anyone in who is either current or looking at the, at the various uh, community for solutions, then that's great. I try and remain as uh, whilst be, whilst whilst having a salary from a company, um, I think it's, you know, I very much as a devotee of the London market, I try to also look for the best of the whole market rather than just purely from uh, a single organization. And I think we can all benefit from having that kind of view of, 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 of the community together with lots of products that uh, may well be, be able to be better integrated and then we can all move forward and we can all benefit. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Um, thank you for everyone to listening to this episode of Tech Talk Thursday. Thank you, Catherine, for having me. It's very interesting. Good luck in the future with your next uh, next guests. Thank you.